Talking to people about making it work. Hello, welcome to Fanfara Tetete. This is Charlie. And this is Freya. And we're here with the second round of a series of conversations in which we focus on the way in which um, people make it work. Or more specifically, we talk about finances, sustainabilities, contexts, things that perhaps maybe is not always addressed. And um, for this conversation, we had a direct talk with Asa and Carol. Charlie, maybe you want to give a bit of a, a back side. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so in this episode, we're talking to Asa and Carol. She's the initiator of uh, Manifold Press. It's a critical design journal online. Uh, mostly in Turkish, they produce, I think, one piece of content every day. And connected to Manifold as well is Jeff Talks, which is a sort of conversational series that happens periodically and invites a different person each time to talk about their practice. We we spoke to Esan a couple of years ago when we were actually in, initiating this um, this uh, series for the first time or at least when we tried to get it off the ground the first time and we unearthed the conversation from before put it together and sent it to her and I think we were a little bit hesitant about the quality of the recording ourselves or like the quality of the conversation because we had this whole format of like you say something then we say something um, we sent something and <laughs> yeah. you sent it back which which was like kind of nice and has probably is something that we might come back to uh, especially if we're talking to people who you know maybe aren't so confident in conversation but um she was very blunt and quite charmingly blunt and said i find the conversation totally boring <laughs> or something mm -hmm. um so we we decided to have like a another another crack at it and have a conversation which also allowed us to of course notice some of the change that had happened since yeah. we last talked with her and of course we're doing this conversation in the context of a lot of restrictions of movability and also physical interaction so whereas Jeff talks had been taking place in a physical setting inviting people to join her archive and library and also inviting for new networks and friendships to take place. The current status of what ASIN is, I guess, primarily busy with is an online format or an online critical design journal, which also were leading our conversation to some quite interesting points on organization and how one carries out this um, massive amount of work that it is yeah yeah there was quite a few things I think in, in general that I think for anybody who like us who you know sort of thinking about putting things out and knowing our limits and knowing the lack of resources and that kind of thing you know you you're you're constantly like okay we want to make something good but also kind of make sure that everybody remembers we exist and that kind of thing just it's just quite like a 
prodigious feat to be able to put out one thing a day and it seems like the kind of decision and it is always a decision like a trade-off it's when you don't have limitless resources like do you have slightly dictatorial control over the quality of output or do you give you know trust and and faith in sort of a, a growing network of contributors and accept that some of the quality might be very very divergent um it was quite an interesting she had a good example i thought which which also touched upon like social media quite an interesting dilemma i think that that came up yeah no i i I would add to that that i also think the conversation did take us around different examples of consequences of this openness and it's one thing that is important also to mention and that i'm happy that we did get around is the fact that of course, it takes a lot of energy to manage to both establish such a project as Manifold, but also to keep it rolling. And while we both speak about the slowness of actually making something happen, we also get to talk about how it actually demands a full-time investment. And I guess in a way also the privilege of being capable of saving up to um, the possibility of taking off such an amount of time of yours to build something like that. And in that context, that very much reflects a drive. And I think a drive that was very present in the full conversation with Aeson. Yeah, on, on the necessity of building a platform or a framework for community and for sharing and solidarity in a way yeah that's a good word i i kind of kept coming back to it and thinking about it when she was talking like there was something really admirable about her keenness to sort of do the linking together and the maintenance of a network of people and maybe also doing some of the boring or hard stuff that enables other people to be able to produce critical output uh, i keep thinking about something that I kind of heard in um, a recent podcast from um, True Anon, uh, interview with Mike Davis, author of Planet of Slums. And he's a really gloomy guy, he's sort of like a philosopher of gloom. And he, he at the end, they're like, have you got any kind of like things that we can be hopeful for? And he sort of says, I don't believe in hope as a kind of a necessary uh, way of thinking about political struggle and that kind of thing. And he says it's much more interesting to think about uh, not what is possible, you know, not setting out to do something because you're going to get success or you're going to make money or things are going to go well, but you you just do it because it's necessary to happen. It, he, he has a siege of Stalingrad mentality where like you're an 18 year old Russian and your city's surrounded by Nazis and you're probably going to die, but you fight anyway and you, you, you don't expect anything good to come out of it anyway. Um, my point is, <laughs> I think it's good to like, I, I really think it's like a good way of thinking about practice in general is like, not if I do this, will it get uh, results? Uh, will I make money from it? Will I gain fame and fortune or anything like that? But like, is this a thing that needs to happen? Is there a gap that needs to be filled? Right. And then after that, maybe the, the sustainability aspect comes in, right? Like, 
But there is a problem there, right? And it's something that we've come across ourselves and it came up in the Slavs and Tatas conversation before. At a certain point, like you exhaust those kinds of um, drives and also like, how do you pass that on? You've built up this archive, you've built up all this information and learned all these things. How do you pass that on to another generation? And she seemed to be quite like in um, a bit of a quandary about that at this point. I think we caught her at a time where she was thinking about like these sorts of things. But I think that's great about also the the whole reason of actually having these conversations because it our drive perhaps is to allow for room to talk about these obstacles and concerns and perhaps drives that existed or still exist but also are meeting their limits and Yeah, I guess these projects that are very dear to you that are not necessarily supported by or seeming rational to everyone around you, but that needs to take place. Yeah. But like the finance, yeah, like that kind of thing does have to come in at some point, doesn't it? In order for it to be like, you know, not all in vain in the end or all forgotten or for like a new generation of people or maybe just like a new group of people to just basically do exactly what you've done because you never passed it on or never left a document exactly and i think to drop a bit of a fanfare experience perhaps um this whole project or platform or whatever we would call it also started uh, with a very sincere drive for filling out a gap mm. and um a space or motivation or support for independent design research-based projects. And at the moment, even though that you have that drive, there's a reality that knocks on the door as well. Things have to circulate time-wise and financially. It's really interesting though. Like, I mean, just as a sort of last point, just thinking about this problem we have, it's a sort of human nature thing, right? Like, human share but they also do have a kind of proprietary or like possessive nature you know like you've put all this effort in and you want to make sure that it's sort of you know it's yours you've put it's, you've invested you've mixed your your labor with this whole thing that you've produced whatever it is but you know in order for it to survive it has to be passed on so there's this kind of like paradoxical thing and she talks about it at the very end she uses this analogy of uh it's It's called the Concord fallacy, I think, or the Concord uh, syndrome. Um, and it's based on the the, the French-British aircraft, the Concorde, that was sort of so much money was invested in it that they just like decided, well, we've got to keep flying these things because we've spent all this money already, even though it wasn't that profitable and it wasn't really that effective and only the richest people could use it anyway. Um, but like yeah you know like there's this that's very much like illustrative of this kind of like proprietary nature like you keep doing stuff because you already have and you've invested all this money but like how do you let go of it like how do you draw a line under something that's like put so much energy into and i think probably the way is to pass it on it's just very difficult to do i don't know yeah i guess it requires uh, also um community and a motivation from more from a stronger network around you in order to carry on these things. And I guess that happens if there's the need for it. Mm. Anyway, maybe we've given too much away already, so uh, it would probably be good to... Give the word on to Aizen. Exactly, yeah. Um, 
Enjoy. <laughs> It'd be maybe nice to start with what are the maybe some of the financial or sort of social or, or political um, obstacles that you found in trying to kind of maintain your practice over the years? This question has so many sides uh, to it. It's it's difficult to uh, answer it quickly and briefly, but my practice has two parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is my professional practice as a designer, and the other one is what I am trying to do personally in the field of design, so to say. So my professional practice is strictly in cultural realm, and obviously this is not our topic today, so I'm not going to talk about it. But as a designer, I work for cultural institutions mostly, or artists, architects, writers, uh, etc. And in terms of this practice, it has been uh, always complicated. Financially, it was always problematic since there is never uh, support from the government or rarely support from international institutions. So uh, the budgets are uh, always uh, limited. Time is always limited as well. Uh, But on the other hand, (laughs) it's a nice working uh, atmosphere. And since there is almost never a budget, it is rarely affected by financial crisis because it's always bad. (laughs) It doesn't get worse, you know. I mean, it is somehow there is this consistent badness, so, so to say. In terms of personal efforts, which as far as I understood from two years ago, uh, it is obviously more interesting to report. In the beginning, I I, I started Jeff Talks and similar projects, which I didn't continue. For example, one of them was opening my personal library to public uh, one one weekend uh, every month. Or Jeff Talks is a talk series for uh, which takes place four times in a year. It was something that I called a generosity project uh, for myself. I thought every person, whatever that person is doing in life, has to find a kind of a generosity project in his or her, her life and basically work on it. It could be something small, something big. And those things were... Uh, the projects I could think that I can do, especially to build some kind of a design community in Istanbul, and especially in communication design, because I thought architects uh, have a lot of outlets, product designers as well, but communication designers didn't have much connection to each other. There's basically uh, no structure uh, to bring us together. Uh, so Jeff Talks was a very early project for me. I started it in my own studio and I could only fit 12 chairs for the audience. And I was trying to curate this audience and trying to bring people together and introduce them to each other, hoping for collaborations, friendships, etc. Uh, so I never invited someone I invited before because it was so uh, small audience. Anyway, I also, a couple of years later, I started a podcast series where I talked with uh, graphic designers 
on their only one selected work. And when I was working with these projects, I realized that that I really enjoy these uh, these things, and and I, I I want to be more committed to those projects, and. I decided to stop working professionally because I realized to be able to commit it 100%, uh, it has to be my priority. This is how I come now finally to the response. And uh, for I worked like crazy for two years, tried to uh, make my bank account stronger (laughs) to be able to concentrate only on personal uh, projects and stopped uh, working professionally and concentrated only on on those projects which I collected under the name of Manifold, uh, which is an online cultural criticism journal, which I designed as a platform for mostly designers to contribute, hopefully with text, but it can be a podcast, a video, or or uh, visual essays, or, or or whatever. So it, it its dynamic is based on uh, contributions from others. Um, I only act as editor, and I was thinking. I could, if it succeeds, uh, I could, in two years or so, it would be able to stand on its feet financially. Uh, But I realized that it's very complicated to do. Uh, Maybe it's because of the conditions in Turkey, uh, or maybe it doesn't depend on Turkish conditions. I'm not sure. I may have personal weaknesses in that department as well. Uh, for example, a project like Manifold has to have a so-called uh, hybrid business plan. You can't make m- money in one area only. You have you have to have events where you sell tickets. You have to have sponsors. And you can uh, create sponsored content. Uh, there can be advertising revenue. There can be merchandise and stuff like that. And I realized some of those things either doesn't work in Turkey or I can't do it. In, for example, organizing events in about design, I don't want to monetize it. Like it, it feels like uh, somehow I have this ideological barrier uh, in my in my brain. Uh, like how can I sell a ticket for a workshop uh, which deals with design, for example? You know, I I see it as a sin almost. It has to be free. It has to be accessible to everyone. So somehow, as a person, uh, I'm such a bad business person that I can't create an area. In, in events uh, to financially support uh, Manifold as a project. The merchandise project uh, turned out to be very complicated as well because I don't have a team. For example, I'm, we have a poster project on Manifold. Uh, I invited young designers to, to interpret uh, some quotes they like as a poster, uh, which I positioned as a content on manifold. So we, these are print-on-demand posters, and I am uh, manifold is selling these posters to create financial support. 
and they are being sold, but they are being sold obviously in very small numbers. So if Manifold sells one poster, it takes me sometimes three, four hours <laughs> to send this poster because I have to prepare the invoice, I have to package it, I have to go to the post office and I have to follow up uh, whether uh, it was sent properly and the correspondence, etc. It doesn't even pay the coding infrastructure which was necessary to build the credit card system on Manifold because in Turkey our government even kicked out PayPal outside of Turkey. So, I mean, some technical things because of some political things are extremely uh, complicated. Easy, very easy stuff becomes huge. So that's the financial side. As the political side goes, uh, since everything is very centrally uh, controlled, so to say, we we basically practice self self uh, censorship. Uh, sometimes, uh, although uh, Manifold is not directly a political uh, journal, uh, sometimes there are texts before publishing. I need to send them to lawyers uh, because if there's uh, uh, there is a censorship coming from official uh, institutions. They don't block the URL of the text. They block the entire website, as Wikipedia was forbidden in Turkey for more than, I don't know, three years maybe. So I don't know whether I answered all the sides of your question. But <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, I think that was a really comprehensive uh, answer and... Um, I think it kind of sketches quite a nice backstory of your development with Manifold because actually I, I was thinking as we started that uh, we didn't ask you you know the basics of like you know who you are and that kind of thing but we we don't need to now I suppose but I don't know Fred maybe you wanted to um, uh, bring something well, up at this point. I mean I think initially what actually started uh, what was part of the reason for us reaching out to you and also for initiating the series of conversations where we speak with people in different places. Obviously, that includes then many different kinds of voices, but some returning aspects of interest is, it's of course, it's how do people make it work in different places, but that is really geared by, I think, from experience from our own practice and from Farah as well, um, a consideration of, of what is what is the drive and what is the aim that makes people, and in this case, case makes you keep on going with Manifold. And I think, I mean, I've come by, for instance, interviews with you uh, addressing also this curiosity of what your friends were doing or working with. And then I wonder, hearing you speaking about all these also struggles and obstacles of actually making it run around to have a platform that can frame um, these voices. I wonder if that has, during the course of the years when you've been work working with Manifold, has your has the motivation or the, the reasoning for doing what you're doing, has that changed or do you still think it remains the same as when you started out? I think, I mean, um, obviously, I'm 100% sure I'm not going to be able to express it very well right now. But the reason doesn't change 
I only get better in explaining it more or less. But as I said, I, I probably will fail again uh, now. Uh, it totally stems from my own cultural infrastructure, uh, which is very discouraging and it doesn't m- motivate people in uh, doing good things, producing or continuing. O- almost all my friends, my ex-professors, my students, almost majority of people I'm surrounded with uh, find t- doing things basically meaningless. Because in the political environment we live in, we don't have faith in trying to do things. We totally feel completely helpless. We, we feel our gestures, our ideas are uh, nothing, nothing we can do counts, you know. Uh, we are basically nothing. <laughs> so th- that, that, that I find extremely uh, depressing. And uh, somehow, I mean, besides meaninglessness, I think it is also connected. If you want to do something, for example, the people who sur- surround you tell you you can't do it. You know, uh, you shouldn't do it. It wouldn't work anyway. Uh, so basically, it's a very negative atmosphere. And so it is very difficult uh, to find a reason to wake up uh, the next day. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't I mean, I, I, I obviously don't think I can change the situation on my own. But uh, I, I feel motivation doesn't come from I mean it's it's not you don't you are not born with it you know it's something that you produce I believe and so, somehow I think uh, at least maybe I can try it create a, a really little niche I mean niche is little but I mean even a little version of of this pocket uh, where I can create some kind of a space uh, where people feel that it does make a difference to hold on what you are interested in, what you want to to make. And it only uh, happens with some kind of solidarity, I think. That space is created with other people together. Uh, It's not a romantic idea. I don't think we have to be together. I don't think, I mean, we don't have to be maybe in uh, really close contact, but somehow we need to feel each other. Yeah, and and another thing is my faith in having plans. And a friend of mine told me the other day, why would you have plans if the future is so obscure? And I thought that especially, I mean, uh, because of the pandemic, people started to feel that way, I think. But I always thought the future is obscure. This is why we have plans. And I don't think we have plans because of uh, to change the future. I think we have plans to change today. You know, if you have a plan for tomorrow, your day is different. Your now is different. Whether that plan gets realized or not, is irrelevant for me. You know, I have a plan so I can I can live today differently. So my drive, I think, comes from that. So I don't question the, the meaning. I just think that doing things is better not doing anything. <laughs> and I think I, I see the outcome 
I must say, um, when we launched Manifold, that was 14th of July 2016. And 15th of July 2016, <laughs> uh, we had fighter jets flying in the sky uh, of Turkey because there was this uh, attempted military coup in Turkey. And the whole country was actually in a, in a turmoil. And I was even a bit embarrassed because that day we had published a text on Pokemon. And somehow in 48 hours, that turned out to be so, so good, you know, that the jets were flying in the skies and we were writing about Pokemon. <laughs> somehow Moonfold created this different dimension which doesn't have anything to do with the daily life in Turkey. And so uh, for a very little group of people, it created this outside of uh, everyday uh, space. And I think it helped us uh, to go through uh, those, those days because we continued on thinking and writing about the things which we, in which we are interested in. It, remind, it reminds me a little bit what the way you were talking about like meaning and the pursuit of, of meaning um, of, of sort of, uh, I guess, like the basic unit of existentialism, right? Where it's, um, you know, the world is meaningless. So like everything else that's nice is a bonus. I'm probably butchering the concept of existentialism there, but, you know, this there's just this idea that, you should sort of take joy in everything because it's all meaningless in the end. But another thing you were talking about, I don't know if this is what you were kind of getting at when you said, you know, about the kind of the purpose of bringing people together, that it's not just bringing people together. You know, anyone can say that because I, I, I recently watched this um, documentary about Facebook and um, Mark Zuckerberg's kind of frequent slogan, which is like... Uh, Facebook's goal is to make the world more open and connected, right? So, you know, even probably one of the more like, uh, uh, you know, uh, damaging personalities in the world right now still believes in this. So like there has to be more more than that. It's about, as you say, I think this word's quite important, solidarity, right? Rather than necessarily just sort of like connecting people, but actually building solidarity. Yeah, I don't know if I have a, like a particular point. I just wanted to represent some of the things you said, uh, what struck me. Because another thing was this, the, in the last conversation we had with you, you... Um, or, you know, I guess you could call it a conversation, but what you said was that a lot of the process of, like, creating is a waste of energy um, and that you described Manifold as kind of, like, that waste of energy so that other people can kind of do the, maybe the 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 actual cr creative part or something like that. You know, the, I don't know if this rings a bell. Do you remember saying this? Like, basically, you were describing what you were doing as kind of, like, absorbing some of the time wasting that's involved um and giving other people the chance to sort of like avoid having to do it themselves you know um does that would you would you still stand by that statement or that that way of looking at manifold oh uh, yeah uh definitely someone i mean someone has to waste energy obviously because <laughs> yeah. i mean you said like it was like to do with you know that there's a lack of support and interest or enthusiasm from like maybe the state or from you know official bodies so you know you're there to kind of provide that as well i thought that was really nice 
one thing I wanted to ask about was um, this like idea of producing content, you know, and like how much content you need to produce. Um, specifically, like, uh, you know, when you're an independent platform, there's a balance you have to make in terms of the amount of time you have and, you know, the amount of uh, things you can do. Um, and I'm in, uh, but also you do still need to kind of guard the integrity of the platform. So you can't put everything out. You have to be kind of an editor, but also, you know, like maybe the, I think quite often the problem I find is that the, this sort of pressure to produce a lot when actually like, you know, you should, uh, I, I always think I should acknowledge the fact that like uh, my resources are limited. So I'm wondering like, how do you, I guess, like manage that kind of difficulty of having to be an editor with the limited resources you have with also sort of expecting yourself to produce one thing a day on Manifold? Uh, well, I think it's, um, it is in many ways quite difficult. It gets more difficult the more uh, readership uh, Manifold uh, gains because, first of all, as you would guess, my intention with Manifold is is actually not... Uh, I'm not trying to satisfy readers. I'm trying to satisfy uh, contributors, so to say. I, I, the platform is there for, for, peop uh, for people who would like to write. Uh, it's a platform you shouldn't be afraid to fail. Uh, you should be able to test things, test ideas. So many of the contributors of Manifold, for example, are working on their PhD thesis and they, they need to practice language or they sometimes they are basically bored with what they are uh, or stressed uh, on with what they are working on and they need another platform to uh, to have fun so for everyone it has a different function but what I'm trying to say is Manifold is for contributors not for readers uh, so as an editor I, I invest more effort in relationships with contributors the correspondence etc takes a lot of time but uh, lately, especially with the pandemic, the readership doubled, so to say. So right now, uh, also lots of Turkish-speaking people from outside of Turkey started to read Manifold. And, and the bigger the audience gets, the more heterogeneous the readership starts. And with that, bullying comes. Uh, for example, a couple of days ago, I uh, published an essay which is not good enough. It is not well written. It is also uh, lightweight in terms of theory. Uh, but I was interested in the topic and I thought, you know, that topic should creep into Manifold. And somehow uh, there, there have been so many bad comments, especially on social media, uh, which is so so hurting in some ways, you know. It makes me, although I really shouldn't be caring about these bad comments, first of all, it makes me uh, question my own qualities as an editor, you know. Did I allow this because I have a weakness for this topic? On the other hand, I say, but I wanted to support her effort. I wanted to motivate her. I want her to write more about this, you know. So uh, it is it is very hard. And, and Manifold has actually, because it has so many different contributors uh, from 17-year-old to 
74 or 75, maybe I forgot, but I mean the age difference and the life experience and education of the contributors are so different. Uh, the quality of content is very different as well. You know, you can have a really mind-blowing, very well-written, very valuable essay, and then you can have something very young, naive, and light-hearted, maybe even. And I find that valuable, but as I said, I was cherishing this as an editor. I was trying to make that mix, actually, you know, to, to bring those different experiences and perspectives and levels, so to say, together. But the more the readership grows, I think the less self-secure I will feel myself because the social media reactions get bigger and bigger with the readership. Uh, And a couple of weeks ago, for example, we published an essay on intelligence dance music. It It was written from a feminist perspective and it dealt with male vulnerability, so to say. I don't know how many IDM listeners exist in Turkey, maybe 3,000. I guess all of them read the essay, and I guess half of them commented on Twitter, you know? It was like a huge fight. And I kept inviting them to write in for Manifold, you know? I mean, this shouldn't stay, this discussion shouldn't stay on Twitter because you know, it doesn't make any sense to, you know, but they preferred that uh, bullfight on social media, and I haven't received one uh, single, you know, proper contribution. So again, I, I gave you a long answer, but it is not like in printed media, the, the, the response is so quick And as an editor, you are there. And uh, in many cases, I'm not an expert of of the content I'm publishing, you know. Uh, So I can't take part in the, besides not having time, my intellectual depth wouldn't allow me to take part in those discussions, you know. So anyway... It is, it is difficult. I, I don't know how long I can continue. <laughs> I was just wondering, like, because, I mean, so then there's this existing platform for Manifold, and then at the same time you experience how the social media platforms are becoming carriers for a lot of the discussion and reactions to the content being produced or distributed through Manifold. Did you, do, did you consider then other ways to structure the platform of Manifold or like ways of capturing these discussions or immediate responses in there? Or do you think it still remains the aim of Manifold to produce this more digital uh, publication format? Uh, Well, I mean, unfortunately, uh, none of the plans I I had before launching Manifold can be realized. I realized I really, we need to be a team and I'm too too on my own to, uh, to manage all the things. But I'm trying to record uh, some of the stuff because I collect also incredibly interesting information via analytics and via uh, social media about the reactions of 
uh, of people. You know, it's very interesting to observe since I'm 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 the only one uh, to also manage all the social med- media accounts. It is so interesting to to see, for example, since people uh, construct their own identities via social media, so to say. For example, they like a post, but they don't read that post. Or a a post uh, which is not shared, disliked, and not liked can be a post of an essay which is read most in the last three months. So... Uh, so to see what is read and what is shared, uh, the difference between read and shared, read and liked, is so huge, and mostly it doesn't overlap. That's that's really interesting. So I'm trying to record a- everything, or you know, at least put a copy of some of the stuff. Sometimes just a screenshot uh, in a folder. So at some point, because obviously physically, mentally, I will have to stop this project at some point. I'm hoping to work uh, on all the collected data uh, later on. Uh, we publish two printed books. Uh, I'm trying to actually, because because Manifold became such a, a huge reservoir of uh, content, we have with some contributors, uh, we have intentions to edit uh, some printed books out of the content of Manifold because some of the tags, for example, uh, soccer, football, Uh, When you click that tag, suddenly, after four years, you get some texts which you wouldn't able uh, to get if you would commission them. Uh, You know, it's it's an accidental mix of texts uh, about football, but it's a really, really good mix. So I can only call them accidents. Yeah, I mean, if I, if as an editor, I would have, I wouldn't be able to commission them because I wouldn't be able to imagine that wide possibilities uh, even. So maybe that you, your question didn't contain it, but I will underline the fact also, I think, and I, I think you with your projects do the same, we definitely need to create channels, spaces, whatever they are called, outside of mainstream. Obviously, I use social media to promote content on Manifold, but we we should resist to be sucked by it. This is probably this was probably not in your question. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's, it's an interesting insight, though. Like, uh, I, I was just thinking um, how, like... Yeah, there's this like various um, ways you're sort of trying to keep yourself away from the the or, you know like feeding the the social media beast, you know, like and and um, also just uh, this point you make about kind of stopping and actually reflecting on the overall project of Manifold as you uh, you know maybe decide that you want to sort of step away from it or something like that like that doesn't often happen you know the usually you're kind of stuck in this flow of having to keep producing new stuff but maybe it is like a a, an interesting move to just sort of 
take yeah stop and take a step back and reflect and say like there's all this stuff that's been produced and we're forgetting about it because we're in this constant need to constantly kind of uh comment and share and and things need to be new and that kind of thing but and there's yeah. something quite conceptually interesting in how well what you're saying is is suiting with the name of manifold and how now four years of contributions also have resulted in almost this unpredictable encyclopedia of of a manifold of uh different works. Things, yeah 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 I was, yeah, that's like really an interesting thing, isn't it? This like way that um, a tag can kind of sort of unexpectedly produce a body of work about soccer that you would just just wouldn't wouldn't have even thought of, and that no one even probably writing um, sort of setting out to write an edited volume of um, articles or or essays about soccer would have even imagined as a way of looking at it. You know, anyway, mm. yeah. Um, you said you had an, a question before you allowed me to to put one out. Oh no, I, I think it was about that. I think it was about this, like you know, just sort of how you sort of hinted at, like maybe wanting to sort of step away from it at some point. And I was curious, you know, uh, are there like, um, do you have a sort of exit strategy? I suppose then in that case, or you know, is there a way that you're going to pass it on, or or anything like that, or do you think you're going to keep going with with manifold and and the other projects for a while still? Uh, well, I mean, since I'm a designer, uh, I I had the feeling I need to have an exit strategy before I, I, I decide stopping, you know, but I realized it is so difficult to design, you know, that exit. I mean, I, I can't find an answer to that question. So I decided to decide before, like I decided that I'm going to exit <laughs> and then I will think about the exit. This is this is my fifth year uh, decision. And a, a friend of mine two days ago, in fact, introduced the concept to my life. I don't know whether you heard of it. It's called Concord Syndrome. But you know the plane, don't you? I mean, it means in almost all languages, the same thing, uh, not to be able to stop something because you have invested in it too much. So I realized I have that syndrome <laughs> and somehow I, I have the feeling uh, this uh, this investment somehow should be uh, valued in some way. You know, it shouldn't, uh, okay, I waste my energy, but I don't want the outcome of this wasted energy to be wasted. But on the other hand, Uh, as I said, I mean, I don't have a good exit strategy yet. I thought of, first of all, I will uh, try to uh, have a dialogue with some of the most passionate uh, contributors, because obviously there's a, there are right now around 300 contributors, which is growing, but there are around 10, 15 people who are more committed like for example if i ma make a mistake if i forget a caption or if i forget the tags or whatever there are people who correct me during the day uh, which is great uh, so i will ask some of the contributors whether they they might 
be joining me or I will try to give Manifold as a gift uh, to someone uh, who wants to continue with it. We, we, we will see because uh, as a last uh, thing, because of this Concord syndrome, I need to explain it because I don't know how, how you are experiencing your projects in that way. It takes so much effort to build something like this. It is so slow. I mean, at least in my case, maybe because uh, because of Turkey, maybe because I didn't have any capital, because I didn't have a big team. I don't know, but it, it grew very slowly. I could basically watch it every day. And uh, right now, even Manifold standing in uh, Google uh, ranking is so high. If you search something in Turkish, Manifold uh, comes up on the first page mostly, uh, which is a very important thing for an online journal. So that happened in four years. So, well, I mean, somehow it should be possible to to give it as a gift, you know? <laughs> But we, we, we will see. We will see. You've, You've been, been listening, listening to Fanfara Tatatat with Freya Kier and Charlie Clamos with music provided by Safian. Thank, Thank you for listening. listening.